The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5. Today we have on the line Miss Neola Zama. She will be with us talking about mental health issues during the Christmas season. And, you know, how to just deal with, you know, the time of the year uh, where most people are coming together with family and friends and uh, you know, there have been losses for the year already so that we're trying to figure out how to deal with the, uh, you know, ramifications of it and how to step into spaces. Uh, I would like to welcome Miss Zama to the uh, studios of Freedom 106.5 FM. Good morning to you. Good morning. Is this Tusker? This is Tusker. Good morning. Uh, nice to meet you. Same here. So could you briefly tell us about yourself? Uh, I know that you are a uh, consulting, well, professional therapist and trainer with two decades of clinical experience. But can you give us a little more about how you, you know, uh, came about to be in such a profession? Right. So I do love to tell people this story. I will keep it short for the purpose of the show. Mm -hmm. um, I knew that I wanted to help people since I was 12 years old. Uh, because somebody asked me and it was the first thing that came out of my mouth mm -hmm. um, life took a turn where i applied to art school and i was accepted and then it took another turn where i couldn't go and i had to choose do i want to pursue a career in the arts or go back to what i said when i was 12 years old mm -hmm. so i decided that this is what i wanted to do um i am a healer as well i'm a survivor of trauma Mm -hmm. And yes, I have the degrees and I've learned what the books say about healing. But what I bring to my work with women is experience that I've lived. So I've I've walked it. I've been there. I've had the darkest days and I'm healing because I think we heal until the day that we die. Mm -hmm. And I use my gifts in different ways. I love to teach. Teaching is actually my first love. Um, so I bring a very teaching style to my therapy. We work with women who want to build a more peaceful life for themselves. And when I say we, it's me and my team. So we blend our clinical expertise and the years of experience with practical wisdom and lived experience. And it works. And when you say uh, living... Well, I wanted to speak more about like your workspace, because uh, according sure. to your uh, your bio, you say you work with women uh, to build safe, hopeful spaces in therapy. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us mm -hmm. more about your process for doing that? Okay, so our practice is fully virtual, which means that it's comfortable for you, right? Mm -hmm. So part of therapy, think of it like a beginning, middle and an end. So therapy actually starts before you come to speak to a therapist. Therapy starts when you start thinking about the therapy because you've now begun that journey, mm -hmm. right? So whether or not you're in therapy, somebody is always thinking about themselves. What's going on with me? Why am I this way? We do not have a worldwide culture that encourages curiosity about the self, right? Mm -hmm. So a safe space in therapy is one where me i am the therapist i am curious about you i am interested in what you have to say i actually don't practice the way that we've been 
taught is the best way, right? So I'll give you an example. We were taught do not come into therapy wearing like jewelry, makeup, don't share anything about yourself. I don't subscribe to that at all. I think therapists, the biggest thing that we bring to the table is ourself. Mm -hmm. And women connect with women in a way that's very unique because we speak each other's language. So I bring myself and my personality and my bad jokes to the table <laughs> and it makes people feel it makes people feel safe to relax and to be themselves um i also don't subscribe to this thing that the problem is always you i think we live in a very unwell world that encourages illness so one of the ways we create a safe space is to keep reminding you that you are healing in a world that may not support your healing because we live in a sick world, right? Mm -hmm. um, the third thing I would say, which is probably the biggest, is that therapists, myself, my team, we take care of ourselves. We get enough sleep. We're curious. We're compassionate. All of us are in therapy ourselves. So we are trying to walk the talk and do exactly for ourselves what we are telling you to do to be well in a sick world. Make sense? Make a lot of sense. Now, how do you, well, especially around the Christmas season, as, as we're talking mm -hmm. about trying to survive the uh, onslaught of different messages, you know, uh, oh, we're going to fall in love over the Christmas season. We're going to, you know, <laughs> that, you know, Especially yeah. when you you lose a, a, a family member or you, you lose someone close to you. You know, that feeling of, oh, we're going to bring love. And sometimes they call it, what, toxic positivity. How do you yeah. create that safe space to survive that bombardment, especially uh, with television and media? Yeah. So whether you're not in therapy, these are, I don't like the word tips, but this is practical wisdom that anybody could use, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't talk enough about grief and depression at the holidays. And these actually spike during the holiday season, right? Mm -hmm. So to put this in context, think of the pressures of normal life multiplied by 10. So there's a pressure to consume from the minute that you wake up to the time that you go to sleep. The messages are, if you spend any by this, you're going to be happy. If you show up everywhere, you're going to smile and you're going to be great and you're going to be fine and everything is happy, 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 hunky godori all the time. And that is not true for people who are living with depression or who have love, lost loved ones. Now, holiday seasons are what we call in psychology an anniversary event, right? So let's say your dad passed away in February. Mm -hmm. An anniversary event for that is going to be like his birthday, your birthday, your parents' anniversary, Diwali, if you celebrate that, Christmas. So the first thing to remember is I don't want us to think about surviving because that puts you into survival mode, which means that you're in danger. I want us to think of it like I'm healing softly before I thrive, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a very soft approach to the healing. And some of the things I want us to remember if we've lost a loved one the first thing is to accept that the grief is going to be compounded at this time 
if you're not taken by surprise, you can prepare better for it because we don't know and people don't allow us to share grief. We get very surprised, thrown off and destabilized. When Christmas rolls around, everybody's telling you to be happy, but you actually feel terrible. Mm -hmm. So the first thing, let's normalize that anniversary events compound the grief, right? The second thing is that grief knocks on grief. I like to think of it like balls on a pool table. You know, as soon as you separate the balls, they're all knocking against each other. Mm -hmm. So grief from three years ago is going to knock on the grief that happened this year. And it's going to knock on the grief that happened last year. So grief feels extra heavy around anniversary events. So expect that it's coming. Normalize it. There's nothing wrong with you. You don't have to feel guilty or ashamed. A lot of people say things like, well, I thought I was over this and it must mean I'm not strong enough. This is not about strength. This is about being a normal human being. And the reason that we grieve is because we've loved. Mm -hmm. So the more you've loved is the heavier the grief is going to feel, right? So you're not weak. You're having a very normal human experience. But I'd like I you mean, to I would like you to repeat mm -hmm. that and emphasize that as, mu as, as much as possible, because acknowledging the feeling or the emotion that you're you're feeling to actually name it and define it is part of uh, actually coping with it. Exactly. And that's a technique. I love that you brought that up um, for those of you who are listening after the show if you head on over to youtube tusker mm -hmm. and you type in name it to tame it mm -hmm. you are going to find a short amazing video by a well-known psychiatrist called dan siegel and what he talks about is the biological process behind what happens to the body when you name your feeling so naming a feeling brings it from the back of the brain to the front and it actually helps you to experience a state of calm Mm -hmm. And this is this is the power of, of storytelling for human beings. Everybody tells a story. A life is a story. And when you can label your story accurately, it makes you feel seen and heard and validated. So this is why I really want to encourage people. If somebody is telling you that they're not enjoying Christmas, they're having the worst Christmas ever, and they're drowning in grief, let them say those words because the act of saying the words and naming the feeling accurately is actually bringing them to a space of calm. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Storytelling is powerful. And when we tell the wrong story, it makes us feel worse. So you, you can say it. You can say, I miss my dad. I wish he was here. You have permission to say, I don't feel like celebrating this year. Let's give people that space. So this is back to safe spaces. Let us allow people to share with us how they really feel. And uh, to leave out judgment yes, while they're please. expressing that, that feeling. Yeah, please do not say things like, no, why? You have to be happy. It's Christmas. Cheer up. Your loved one would have wanted you to smile. You know, the thing is, we don't know that. And when you force people to put on an act, it is very exhausting. And then they isolate themselves, which increases the depression. So let people be themselves. And if you feel uncomfortable by someone expressing their sadness, I would say that this really is about you, not about them. And don't make it about you. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Here's another uh, question for you. 
seeing as you've uh, for people who have entered the space of okay i need someone to talk to and they've come to you and you've given mm -hmm. them uh the tools because i know you don't like the word tips <laughs> you just said you don't <laughs> like the word tips so let's yeah. use, the, use the word tools and they've been given the tools and started doing the work using those tools how do you shield yourself from the negative comments that come your way when you start applying the tools to your life and most times those comments come from people who uh appreciated you in that broken sense you know right. how do you create that shield around you especially when you know that they've benefited um, in the past from that state yeah. of mind so there's internal work and then there's external work right mm. so the internal work would be where i tell you the person who's grieving to work on expecting it going slow not feeling guilt or shame and then there's external work where we talk about action items so that's a more practical day-to-day -day thing right mm -hmm. so the external work starts in your space so for example tusker if you were grieving i would tell you to look around at your space first to build up the strength that you need to deal with the things outside of your home so what that would look like is okay so my partner loved the tree this way how do i feel about putting it up would it make me grieve more or would I be honoring that person? And whatever you say is what you should do. So the, the work starts with the action items first in your own space. Do I want to honor the love that I've lost or do I not want to be reminded? What that does is it fills up your gas tank enough that you can deal with the things outside of your safe space. So in Trinidad, you're powering in you have the Christmas lime, you're liming by your friend, your neighbor, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And you get the intrusive questions, et cetera, et cetera. First of all, I recommend escaping to the bathroom if you feel overwhelmed. But doing the Lord's work out here, <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I have escaped to bathrooms many, many times if I felt tears coming on. Or if I felt like I was going to say something that Jesus would not be proud of, mm -hmm. I would just find myself in the bathroom and catch myself, right? Uh, the second practical thing, keep a drink in your hand. Sip it if you don't know what to say. And as soon as I finish talking, excuse yourself and refill the drink. Mm -hmm. The third thing is to start with the end in mind. And as soon as you get to this line and you're greeting everyone, guys, I'm not feeling well. It wasn't going to stay. I'm leaving in an hour. So you always have an out for yourself. So what this does is, if you're in the zone and you're enjoying it, you get to stay for two hours. If you're not enjoying it, you get to leave, right? You do not have to sail through this with an answer for everything. You don't have to avoid crying. You don't have to avoid a meltdown. As soon as you're not feeling well, you get to escape. If anybody's pressuring you, I would practice one or two boundary statements, right? I know boundaries are buzzword. People don't like to hear them, mm -hmm. but they are mainstay in therapy, right? They've been around for a long time. So a boundary statement would look like, um, I can't stay because I wanted to go home and look at pictures of dad, right? Or they're pressuring you to smile. Thanks so much for thinking about how I feel, but just not well at the moment. And you find one or two short things that you could say, and then you say it like a broken record and you make your escape. Further to that, Tusker, I would venture, and I'll probably get some DMs for this, 
you do not have to go to everything that you're invited to. Mm. Um, this is the land of Kamna, oh gosh, passing, come show out, your face. Come out the house now, we ain't seeing you. Come out the house, we ain't seeing you so long. Mm. If your house is your nest and the place where you like to hibernate from now, um, please stay in your house, get cozy, drink your tea, put on your pajamas, snuggle with your dog, have the people at home who respect that you need to take this slow. So the guiding, the lighthouse, I would say that you should return to is this season gets to look exactly what I needed to look like, because this is your grief, not anybody else's. And how do you create that space? Uh, well, in your home one, and then uh, how, what are the best ways that someone who's coming into your home, let's say it's a friend and they recognize that, okay, you're isolating. What are some of the tips your friend uh, can have entering that space? Okay, so for the person who wants to make their home a safe space, keep it very soft, right? No loud music, no harsh lights. These are very practical things. But remember, the human body is responding to stimuli all the time. And we live in a world where stimuli is coming at you constantly. So keep it very soft at home. I had a colleague once say to me, you know, I don't think people who are suffering should look at horror movies. <laughs> she said that to me, and I thought that was wild. But when she explained it, she said, you know, it's too much stimuli for a person who's tired and sad. And it makes perfect sense. So anything that's loud, harsh, or hard, get rid of it. Bring out soft blankets, soft clothes, tea, soft lights, soft music. If your thing is a pillow that makes you comfortable, bring out the pillow. If your thing is a candle, bring that out. If your thing is to eat, which is my comfort, I would just have my favorite snack and my Earl Grey tea all the time. So the kettle in my home is always ready to go. Uh, no, I'm, so, I'm sorry, yeah, but suggesting <laughs> to eat during the Christmas season, carnival after, yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah. there, there's so but many comfort the, foods during Christmas that um, add pounds. But I, I get what you're saying. Well, look at the pressure though, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have to be mindful of our culture you can, I'm not a carnival person. I don't know about like dieting for carnival, but mm -hmm. I like to be fit. And I like when I feel comfortable, but I know that if I punish my body too much, my body is not going to have what I need to feel safe. Because safety starts in the body first. It's not in the mind, it's in the body. Mm -hmm. So the body has to feel soft and safe and comfortable because your body is holding you up as you grieve. Yeah. Yeah. So don't starve yourself. I do want you to look sexy in your costume, but I also want you on the road to feel comfortable and safe. And right? feel comfortable in your skin. Now, as we're venturing yes. into the uh, uh, part of exercise, what? Well, I've heard of somatic ex exercises. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and probably uh, lead us to, uh, I don't know if it's a resource where those exercises can be found? Sure. So do you still want me to touch on what the friends should do? Yes, yes, please do. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. So, so for the friends, please ask permission before you go over. Now is not the time to be showing up at people's house mm -hmm. unannounced unless you have that kind of relationship. 
But remember, the, the time is different. The emotional needs are different. So respect that. Call the person no more than twice, please, and ask them, is it okay to come over? If they say no, or you sense doubt and hesitation, respect it, right? If they say yes, work with something that they like, right? Keep it very short, keep it light. Don't kick off your shoes and your socks and settle in for a six hour lime. Work with something that they like, keep it short and follow their lead. Mm -hmm. um, if they want to talk about their loved one, don't brush them off, you just go with it. And if they don't bring it up at all, you don't bring it up either. Just follow their lead and, and if you're a safe space for them, they're going to feel comfortable. And do everyone a favor and excuse yourself after about 45 minutes and let people have their room. Yeah? No problem. So I'm, I'm hoping yeah. that you're listening, Trinidad and Tobago. So you're getting some good tips from Neola Zama. Just in case you're now joining us on Freedom 106.5 FM, we're talking about ways to, you know, adapt and... Uh, flow through the Christmas season, especially if you've lost loved ones during the year and Christmas isn't such a fun time for you with all the, you know, everybody, the happy-go-lucky people around, you know, with their colors and so on. And you just feeling like, oh, meh. So Ms. Sama is here to give you some tips. Are we going back to the exercises that we spoke about earlier? Can you tell us the reasons for the somatic exercises? So somatics, the best example of somatic exercise is yoga, right? Mm -hmm. So the point of somatics is to help you to feel safe in the body. Now, a note here, yoga, meditation, deep breathing, they are not for everyone, especially if you've experienced severe trauma, because some of us have lost loved ones in very traumatic ways, right? So an accident, if you've witnessed the death, um, if the death was unexpected, those things can be traumatic to a person. Why somatics don't work for those people is because slowing down and getting in touch with that pain can feel overwhelming if it's a trauma because the pain of trauma is very different than if it was a normal death. So you have normal grief and then we have what we call complicated grief. So complicated grief is um, an unusual death, unusual circumstances. So like if you witnessed, if it was completely unexpected, if you were in danger yourself at the time of death. So this is where we go into trauma work because somatics, if you practice somatics and you've been traumatized, what it does is it actually increases your symptoms and worsens them. So there are people who have practiced like the yoga and the breathing and the meditation, and they've gone into a tailspin and had nervous breakdowns. So this is not for everybody. This is more for normal grief, right? For complex grief, I would strongly recommend therapy, or if therapy is not for you right now, do not engage in somatics. So somatic exercise is one that encourages a link between mind and body, just like yoga. It's movement and it's you being mindful of the movement. And what it does is it keeps you in the body and brings you back to what we call safety, which is peace and calm. So 60% of the time, it's normal grief. Yoga is going to be amazing for you. You want to do any movement that makes you feel good. So somatics is more like mind-body connection. 
but all movement is good for grief. So it could be walking. Mm -hmm. Walking is excellent, especially if you are on medication that is an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety. So walking in therapy is what we call a bilateral movement, which is arms and legs, right, left, right, left. Bilateral movement is excellent for feelings of heaviness and sadness. Walking, jogging, running, jumping jacks, that's bilateral movement. Um, squeezing ice, ice blocks actually is a form of movement that sounds really weird, but it works for people who don't really have a lot of energy to move, right? Squeezing ice blocks, Tusca actually brings you out of the mind back into the body and it brings you back into the present moment. So yoga, stretching, a simple thing like sitting in your chair and rolling your shoulders back, that can work really well. Rolling the neck back, pressing your feet into the floor, squeezing your palms together. And YouTube is also out here doing the Lord's work because mm -hmm. you can just punch in five-minute chair yoga, mm -hmm. um, gentle yoga, yoga for sleep. This is for ladies and for men. Um, this is not me making a woke or politically incorrect statement. But if you punch in on YouTube yoga for menstrual cramps, those routines are actually fantastic for getting back into the body. And that could work for men and for women. It's the movement that you're looking at. Slow, gentle, mindful. Now I want to emphasize, do what works for you. I have clients who feel rested and relaxed from taking an intense run on the treadmill. Mm -hmm. it, it sounds weird, but it works for you because everybody's body is different, is different. Mm -hmm. yeah so if moving for you is doing the laundry sweeping the yard running up and down the stairs then by all means do whatever works for you all right uh we've got about let's say five ten more minutes to you know really talk about different ways to cope with the christmas season what about children do you have any tips for kids well tools for kids well, the adults are in charge of the children. Um, so, you know, the pressure to consume, we pass it on to the children as well. How come I don't have this toy? Why I don't have this? Why I don't have that? Model to your children that this season is about meaning, not about things, right? I encourage parents always to teach their children how to do charity because it makes for a really altruistic citizen later on in life. So what are the toys that you're not using? What are the clothes that you don't need? Did you save 50 cents from your allowance? Okay, great. Let's make a donation to an orphanage, right? If your child is getting overstimulated by the visits to the mall and the toys, if they're terrified by Santa, if they don't want to give this uncle a kiss or sit on this auntie's lap, please don't let them. Model to your children autonomy over their body by encouraging it, listening to them, and modeling for them meaning and giving over spending and things. Uh, as we were talking about well, tools for kids, someone just uh, sent a message via WhatsApp mm -hmm. asking, do you have any tools for the autistic child? It's not an area I work with. Mm. Yeah, I don't have experience. I'm not equipped to share anything wise. 
So I guess the resources would be, well, they will have to research resources mm -hmm. on that. Uh, what about actually, uh, as you, you mentioned, NGOs and, and charities, is that a good way to go through the process or, or part of therapy actually going out to help others? Yes, helping people is very therapeutic. So therapy and therapeutic are different things, right? Mm -hmm. So giving, charity, helping, spending time in nature, um, those things are therapeutic. Therapy is therapy. That's a structured process with targeted healing. All of us, whether or not you're in therapy, can do therapeutic things. And giving is one of the most therapeutic things that a grieving person can do because love fills up the space that grief leaves behind. So if you have one ounce of love to share and to give and you share that, over time it adds up and you will feel better. But let's not just give at Christmas. Um, the charities, they are overflowing at this time. Mm -hmm. But if you give in January, February, March, it will be much more appreciated. The, we'll see what I'm looking for, the, the nuance or the newness of actually giving to charity around Christmas time, it wears off. And I, like you said, it's more appreciated it during the yeah. rest of the year because I think it's more needed during the rest of they the year. They actually end up throwing out a lot of the food because so many people, and it's too much, and then mm -hmm. we forget them for the rest of the year. So give to them, you know, the other 11 months as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. not to forget, but we do have elders in our society who are alone. Yeah. Uh, any mm -hmm. tools for them? Check on them. Check on your neighbor. Mm -hmm. um, we have a neighbor. His wife died this year. And he's very quiet and shy, so he didn't even tell anybody. We just happened to find out. Just call them. Check on them. Sit with them. Keep them company. Ask them what they need. Don't don't bake sweet things and you know mm -hmm. send them to the grave because you're spiking their diabetes. But just ask them. Ask them what they need and spend time with them. Loneliness um, really does send people to an early grave. And if you could spare just half an hour once a month, it makes a huge difference to an elderly person. All right. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out. Are there ways that we can get in touch with you? Uh, in terms of the public, that is, getting in touch with you. Uh, do you have Facebook, WhatsApp, etc.? So our main page is on Instagram. So it's my name. It's Neola underscore Zama underscore. So there's a lot of free content there. If you click on the link in bio, you'll find that I've guested on a few podcasts, just like this one. Mm -hmm. So you can find me on Instagram, and I respond to messages within 24 hours over there. We're not open for therapy right now because we're closing, mm -hmm. but we reopen on January 3rd. Yeah, I mean, the, the therapists and the, and the clinics need their rest as well. to be So we can pull back out, yeah. yeah to be revitalized <laughs> for the year to come. All right, well, thank you so much for joining us and best wishes to you for the Christmas season and all the best for 2024. Thank you, Tosca. Same to you. All right. And that was our session inside of how to deal with, you know, the Christmas season if you're not so, you know, inclined to be a part of it. That was Neola Zama and Freedom 106.5 FM Inside Human Impact. <laughs>
The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5.